Welcome back to Colin Shots. Uh, hopefully my guest is not at the same kind of travel risk that I am with the FAA having, having a computer outage this morning that appears to have screwed up air travel over the nation. Uh, my guest, John Krasinski of The Athletic, uh, on to talk about Timberwolves. But first, are you in travel limbo? Thankfully, I'm not, uh, Seth. Uh, I'm, I'm not traveling until next week. Uh, I go to Denver with the Wolves. But I will tell you that I'm surprised I am not because this is the kind of thing that happens to me all of the time when I'm traveling. It's some sort of outage, weather, mechanical issues. Like the, the, my, my rate of an actual smooth on-time travel flight there and back is it's absurdly low. So uh, I'm surprised that I'm not actually involved and tangled up in this in some way. We'll give it time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of uh, low success, it's a terrible segue, but uh, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going down the road. Um, I wrote uh, end of last week and it's something we've kind of talked about before on this show and offline about um, one of the risks of kind of the go bear trade was he's a, a, enormous human being who is in his age 30 season and um, history suggests that there might be some drop off. Um, I wrote last week about what I perceived to be some worrying signs about that and uh, that published on Friday and then on Friday night he went and had his best game of the season. (laughs) So did I fix the Timberwolves? Yes, you did. I think you did. Um, So I think at the end of this year when they are hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy, um, there will definitely be a some sort of comment from Rudy, probably from the Wolves in general, about Seth Partnow got us going in the right direction. And so you should feel good about that. Um, uh, but I, I do think that you, everything that you wrote about was 100% true and accurate. And I, But I also think that what we have seen over the last four games now that they have won and that Rudy has really started to assert himself is um, a little bit of a growing comfort and um, and a an ability to surround him. Chris Finch has done a good job of surrounding him with more veteran players who are smart and know what they're doing to play off of Rudy, and that's maximizing things a little bit more. So I think that the Wolves are starting to find some lineup combinations um, and some familiarity that work and are getting Rudy going a little bit. But um, all of the things that you wrote about that I've written about uh, this season were absolutely true And that the first couple of months of this season, it was not looking good. And there were some worried people around here about exactly how or if it was possible to to fix it. So I had someone who uh, someone around the league who has worked with Gobert in the past um, commented to me that you know I was I was right in kind of diagnosing the symptoms, but they were suggesting that one of the problems isn't just kind of the the Minnesota having played a lot of the season with kind of two bigs, but one of the ways that Mac, that Utah maximized him defensively was they kind of just trusted him and got out of the way. Yes, and the Timberwolves haven't fully done that yet, and. Um, the suggestion was he doesn't like a ton of people around him when he's contesting shots. And if the Wolves are continuing to kind of sink to the basket and overhelp, um, why, that's what he's there for. And if you're kind of getting in his way, and that has, that has been something that maybe limited his effectiveness defending the rim. Is there? Do you think there's anything to that, or is that just 
sort of rose-colored glasses. No, I mean, I, I think that that has absolutely been part of it. Now, I will say that I think Rudy has not been as mobile. Um, he looks a little slower-footed uh, than he typically has been with Utah um, over the course of this season with, with Minnesota. He hasn't gotten to some of the things where I thought he would get to. So there's been some th- some issues that have been very much Rudy centric that he is responsible for, but there's also been um, a, a real acclimation process that has taken longer than I think anyone really expected in that you can see that Rudy gets kind of tangled up in the traffic that is created when the wolves help too much toward him at the rim. And so he has said multiple times this season about, you know, saying that, hey, the, these guys have to understand that I have their backs and I will be there to clean things up if something happens where someone gets behind them. And so just don't help too much. And one of the issues that the Wolves were facing is that they're, they're switching a defensive style from one end of the spectrum to the other. So last season, they were very much a hair on fire defense, just running around, trying to create turnovers, scrambling, rotating, covering for each other, and just trying to overwhelm with their activity. And this uh, system with Rudy Gobert as the focal point is much more about discipline, about control, about communication and trust and they that just had had not been there for a good portion of the early part of the season anthony edwards Jaden mcdaniels d'angelo russell carl towns pick pick anybody who was out there with him you could tell that they were having a hard time kind of adjusting to the new way of doing things with Rudy Gobert there. I still think that they those that's a problem, um, but it is becoming less of one, and that is helping to give Rudy the freedom to move around and to affect things at a much more effective level than he was doing earlier in the season. So there's a number of different ways to go from there. One, when you start talking about you know playing a more disciplined, less hair on files uh, fire style i i i want to ask about you know kyle anderson Mm -hmm. um it seems it it seems like again there's probably some odd offensive stuff oh there's definitely some odd offensive stuff with with you know having he and rudy on the floor together as two largely non-shooters but um you know a player who's built his game off of you know disciplined movement and anticipation playing angles and stuff like that i as he's kind of come back to health and, and with some of the other injuries um, gained more prominence, probably closed games more often. I, that seems to me is something that has to, has to play some of a part in, in kind of the, the more recent uh, better performances. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince. So Prince was out for pretty much all of December with his shoulder injury and Kyle Anderson uh, at first, at the start of the season, wasn't starting games because Towns was in that power forward spot. And then he kind of went through some some back issues of his own that was limiting his games and, and keeping him out. 
But when Towns went out and when Kyle's back got healthy, you got a player on the floor with Rudy who knows what he's doing, who knows how to play uh, basketball, who's a veteran adult in the room. And so he just has understood how to play around Rudy much at a much higher level than anyone else on the floor. And that includes offensively. Uh, Kyle Anderson is the one who is feeding Rudy the most right now for lob dunks, for uh, pick and roll, for, for finding him near the rim to, to generate offense. Unbelievably right now, Kyle Anderson leads the, the Wolves in three-point shooting at 41.5%. Um, I don't think that's sustainable, but it's been a revelation so far um, for this team. But then defensively, he knows where to be and and how to funnel things to Rudy and get out of his way and let him do his work. And so when you surround Rudy with veterans who are high IQ guys, Prince is another one who's been terrific since he came back from his injury. They've won all three games he's played in. Um, and, and, and these are guys that just really have been around the block and understand how to do things. It makes things much, much easier on Rudy Gobert as well. And that has allowed Rudy to have some of the best three game stretch of his wolves uh, of his wolf stint and really start to assert himself that way. It's, it's been a huge part of, of the, the little bit, the mini Renaissance that the wolves are having right now is just surrounding Gobert with smart veteran guys who know how to do it. And Kyle Anderson's at the top of that list. So I, I want to I have some other like kind of players surrounding Rudy that I wanted to ask about, but I, I kind of forgot to ask about something else you said earlier, which you mentioned like uh, Gobert not getting the stuff he'd gotten to earlier. And this is, I think this is sort of one of the aging concerns is I think something that's been underrated about him for his career is that um, you don't really see guys with a defensive motor that runs as high as his does. For, for players that size and like that energy level has been, you know, he, he's, he's um, you wouldn't think it, but he's always been very good up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, you know, maybe not the quickest laterally, but, but is, is, is not slow. And just wondering if that, if there's been any concerns about not that he's ever going to become a low motor guy, but you know, going from as hyperkinetic as a seven foot whatever, two hundred whatever guy can be, that was a big part of his his sort of ability to play with force and fury, and just wondering if if the degree to which you've, you that has been evident in the last couple of games, or is that still kind of a concern? Well, I, I think that here let's look at it um, out of both lenses. So the pessimist, and maybe a lot of people who doubted this the veracity of this deal from the start looked at Rudy's age and also looked at generally big men kind of age quickly um, and say, why are you investing this much in, in, in a guy on the downside of his career? And look, this is just what we have seen to this point has validated that Rudy Gobert is um, on the downward side of the curve and is just going to keep hurtling down the cliff and soon will be this immobile big that that um, can't do anything for you. Um, there, there, there was that that is that was some of the concern early on. 
especially when you say you just saw him and he just wasn't moving well. And you're just like, what is going on here? This is not the Rudy Gobert that we've seen before because he's in terrific shape. There's no question about that. You look at him if just from a body composition, all that, he's in great shape. So what the heck is going on? Is he just hitting the the thirty the thirty year old wall and and this is and it's all downhill from here? But then the the, the optimist, the those in 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 the Timberwolves land who believe that the, you know that he would come around, pointed to him playing in Eurobasket all summer long, and um and that was a grueling tournament for him. And I do think that he came into the season a little gassed. I think that he was um, a little bit, I I think he was tired. And so he's been trying to get his legs back underneath him in the early portion of the season. And maybe they have gotten to a point now where he does feel better. And because I have seen him play with more force, I've seen him dunk the ball with more uh, emphasis. I've seen him block shots um, with more authority. And so it is, it does seem to be coming back a little bit. And the question is, is this just a little boomlet for him? And then he's going to hit the wall again, or is he getting over that fatigue from the off season tournament and, and finally just getting a better base underneath him? I think it's going to take a little bit more time to make a determination, but that's what, those are the factors that everyone is looking at right now. That, that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, gut feeling. What, like, which way do you lean on that? I I lean a little bit more toward the the optimistic side, just because. I mean, if you talk to anyone about Rudy, he takes care of his body in an unbelievable way, and so I I don't expect him to be the twenty seven year old Rudy Gobert when he's thirty three. But I also didn't expect him to be the 38-year-old Rudy Gobert when he's 30. So I do. I have to think that um, I, I just don't see how he could fall off that quickly. And now that we are seeing a little bit of an uptick uh, that way, I, I just I I tend to believe that there was something to the grind of that off season and it, it, it just changing his routine enough that he was a little bit out of gas when he came into training camp. And it is hard to fill that tank back up again once training camp begins and once you get into the slog of a season. And I just think it's taken him a little bit longer to fill it up. And so he is moving around better now. Um, he is getting out on the perimeter a little bit more and covering and, and, and being capable that way. And so I do think that that is part of it. And so I'm going to lean that way until I get more evidence that nope, he's he's cooked. Like he the, the, he doesn't have much left in him. I think I think he can find it. I think if if you wanted to look for kind of support for that, you you might note that the uh, you know the guys who kind of rolled out of Eurobasket and and like really like hit the season strong were tended to be the younger guys. It was yeah, really twenty three years old, right? Yeah, yeah. Lori Markin and Franz Wagner, and you know he wasn't. I, I don't think he he struggled in nearly to the extent that Gobert did early in the season. But there was an element of, of Nikola Jokic pacing himself sure. early, early in the season as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly, off, like that, and that you know, in, in, in a little bit the same way as as there was some some role reassortment going on with with the Nuggets trying to reintegrate Jamal Murray and, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. But but um, so so that's that's certainly something you could point at. 
Um, what are, you know, you, you mentioned sort of some of the, the veteran players who have, have kind of stepped in. A player who on an individual level seemed like he was having a, a pretty impactful defensive season, but in, in terms of how we've been talking about kind of making the whole thing work, I'm wondering what this all means for Jane McDaniels. Um, he's been on, on, you know, on, on some of my rim protection stuff. He's been one of the, the more impactful forwards, non-centers in terms of, of, of making plays at the rim and, and, and suppressing opponent field goal percentage. And that's, that's good. But on the other hand, if the worry is you're overhelping, there's too many people in Rudy's way, that's, that's hurting him. Maybe that means you're helping off the perimeter too much and giving up threes and, and stuff like that. There, it's, there, there's a balance to be struck there. And I'm wondering you know, where that leads for McDaniels. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting because I do think that he has certainly had to acclimate um, to Rudy uh, because remember like last year, you know, if, if Towns is your rim protector who was okay, like I, you know, he wasn't terrible, but he was just okay last year. I think Jaden felt a much greater sense of responsibility to be down there, to be helping out, and I do think it's taken him a little bit of a while to adjust to understanding that there is a real elite rim protector there and that actually him helping in that area may hurt the team's ability to protect the rim. Um, now, he also has to understand that there are going to be times where Rudy is out of position and does need help, and that's where he has to to come in and be – um, be effective in that way. And so he has to be able to pick his spots in a way that, you know, you're asking a third year player to process, process this all very quickly. And I think it's just taking a little bit of time. Um, but when you look at the way that he is just defending in general, I really think he's becoming one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Um, he makes it harder on guys like Luca, like John Morant, like uh, James Harden, than almost anyone else got that that covers them individually, one on one, mano a mano, and so they have a great piece there. And now it's it's a matter of melding Jaden's individual perimeter prowess with Rudy's elite rim protection and making those things work together in a little bit more harmony than they did earlier in the season. And Jaden's really a smart player. And I just think it's, they will eventually figure that out. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, and it's just taken some time for them to get that groove and understand each other and how best to help each other. But um, on the list of concerns for me about this Timberwolves season, how Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert work together defensively, it's pretty low. I think eventually they're going to really figure that thing out and be uh, a handful to, to, to deal with. Um, do you want to talk about Cat or Anthony Edwards next? Let's go Ant for now, okay. just because uh, I think Cat's still a little ways away from sure. coming back, but we can still get there for sure. So I think there's there's a, a few different things. I think that that for me – the biggest issue for the Wolves, you know, in, in the, the, the rough start to the season was I don't think that, that Anthony Edwards had the best start to the season on either end and on offense, either as a scorer or a playmaker. Um, first of all, would you agree with that assessment? 
I would agree with that assessment. Two quick things on that. One is I don't think he was – I don't think he, he worked out in the right way in the offseason to get himself ready for this. Uh, he has said to us that he probably put a little too much, too much focus on weight training and getting bigger and stronger and not enough focus on being in great uh, physical shape with his cardio. And so I do think that he had a hard time early on with his conditioning levels. And that's on Ant more than anyone else. Um, the other thing is, I think that he was the player offensively who was most bothered by Rudy Gobert's presence um, and by the too big presence, I would say, um, early on in the season because he was used to playing more five out um, with so much more space going to the rim. And he has not, he, has not he, he is even at this point in the season still has not quite learned how a guy like Rudy can actually make it easier on him to get to the rim and play off of it that way. So those two things contributed to him, yes, not not getting off to a great start this season. Maybe the first month or so, especially. I'm gonna I'm gonna ring a, a bell. I think I've rung with you every time we we've talked about this. I think that. His, his reliance on stuff being spaced out. Now, he's, he's, it's, it's improved this year, but I think for his level of athleticism, um, you know, he, it, it's come up. He's up over seven free throw attempts per hundred. But still, I think that that's still um, – and that's and then, frankly, that's, that's, that's a big jump from last I looked at it, which I think coincides with the, the impression that he's just been playing better recently. Um, but that's, that's, that seems like that's the big area where, if we, okay, if I don't have enough space – uh, there's a lot of bodies for me to find. For sure, 100%. And um, I will say that you know, this is going to sound homerish, and it's, it's just not. Like, it's just <laughs> what I'm seeing. He does not get the calls, um, or he had not been getting the calls because he goes to the rim quite a bit. He generates a lot of contact, and you see the calls that Luca gets, that John Morant gets, that Harden gets, that, uh, that a lot of these guys get. Young Anthony Edwards just has not yet built up that reputation with the referees. Now he's starting to get a few more of those lately, which might be one of the reasons for the uptick. But this has not been a case of him totally just settling for that jumper uh, too much. Um, Sometimes he does do that, and he did do that. But um, he was refereed in a different way. And and I think that that is starting to adjust into his favor. Um, But... Yeah, that 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 has been a real uh, a real issue is not generating the free throws as much, and there's there's multiple reasons for that. I, I mean, I think that that you know the the physically overpowering player not always getting to the line as much is is, is perhaps a thing, but I I, I do want to say that there is you know just from observationally, um, and this is a we I've used this exact example with you before, but Derrick Rose in his early in his career was so athletic that like he tried to you know slide spring spin or or whatever kind of around contact rather than necessarily well i've got an advantage so i can gonna you know instead of going 15 degrees away from you to try to extend and get a layup i'm gonna go 15 degrees into you so you're gonna run into me and i might make it make it harder to to you know get the bucket but i'm shooting two free throws and Mm -hmm. and you know the um uh you know, not at all comparable players in terms of their level, but a player like ben- Benedict Matherin, who, who came into the league just knowing how to do that, and he's and he's someone who you know 
despite not being nearly the, the athlete or level of all of our players, gets to the line a fair amount more. Um, so, and and that's that, that's the part where, you know, you know, as with a lot of things about his game, just uh, just the, in improving the craft a little bit. Um, and maybe you know maybe that's happening. Maybe that's I, I can't say that I watch the Wolves you know every, on a nightly basis, but with with the uptick, um, it seems like it's possible that's something that he's getting better at. Just be, finding bodies when when the guy is at a disadvantage is a real skill in the NBA. Yeah, I think I I think that's a it's a great point, and I I do think that there have been definitely times where he gets tries to get too cute around the rim, and you know maybe finish with a. Uh, kind of a a flourish, if you will, and that does not invite the contact that might prompt a, a whistle in the same way as if he just puts his shoulder down and and gets there and hunts the contact. Um, he is very gifted in terms of using that euro step and and wiggling around people to get a cleaner look at the rim. And maybe sometimes that just means that he's not going to get fouled. And sometimes that has increased the degree of difficulty on his layup attempt that maybe uh, prevents him from having a, a higher conversion percentage at the rim as well. And by, by the way, the, the, he is not the, not the only player I've had this criticism of. This is, if, if you want to point to one like, thing that Jason Tatum has done just better this year. Than, than he did last year, and maybe it's it's was recognizing that this turned into a big flaw uh, for him in the finals is almost exactly that. Like, you know, the the picking and choosing the euro more and going to just straight power a little a little more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned kind of the uh, the the conditioning issue. I wonder how much that plays into you know from observation. He is a guy who. When he, you know, on his nights when he is locked in, can be an extremely effective defender on the ball. Yes. Um, well, so there's yeah two things. About well, there's that. a but. There's a but coming. Okay. I'll go, yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. but that's that that has been sort of intermittent, and there have been a lot of times where, um, this where and this this maybe ties in with the with the Timberwolves sort of still maybe overhelping a little bit too much in general where it seemed like he's given up more more penetration, more point of attack weakness by just not you know squaring his guy up on the catch quite as well either because he's just he's he's a little bit out of position or a little bit slow to recover from from uh from a, an original rotation. Yeah, I th- I th- I still think his biggest weakness defensively is off the ball and kind of losing track of his man, getting beaten back door, um giving up wide open threes when he kind of drifts a little too much but yes um in the in the man-to-man uh on the ball defense he has on occasion this year well really not more than on occasion has not been the get up into your grill and lock him down type of of player that he is capable of being he's shown that he's shown that he can do that um and in in big spots especially in late in games, you will see him uh, really dig his heels in in a way that is different from most other parts of the game. And I know most players take, pick and choose their spots for this, but certainly it's, it's to a higher variance, I think, with Anthony Edwards. And when he does decide that I'm just going to 
sit down and guard you. Um, he's very difficult uh, to, to handle, to get around, um, using his, his size, his strength, his quickness, his foot speed, his, his agility, like all of that stuff makes it very difficult for a player to handle. But it has been probably too inconsistent. And so what he is trying now to balance is that those responsibilities as a perimeter defender with also the increased usage that he is having offensively. He has turned from a uh, the, the off guard with D'Angelo Russell as the point guard to the center of the Wolves offense and the ball is in his hands a lot more and he's being asked to play make and he's being asked to find others and create for himself in a way that that really wasn't there earlier in the season and so now I think that it's a matter of can you do both because they want him and they need him to do both and it's got to be at a at a more consistent level than what he has got he's done so far sure um that, I'm glad you I'm glad you went went in 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 that direction because something uh, uh, a change and again, I, I you know, I, not watching start, tip to, to final whistle of every Timberwolves game, I don't know to the degree to which this is a completely new thing or it's, it's something that's just kind of happened a couple of nights I've happened to catch. Um, seems like there's one of the, the, one of the looks that I was sort of most optimistic about for the Wolves to start the season was Edwards closing the game at the point. With, and, yeah. and not and not like not closing the game at the point in that the ball is in his hands, but he's on the floor without D'Angelo Russell, without you know Jordan McLaughlin when healthy. Just just it's it, he is the he is the point guard in this lineup. Um, it seems like they've gone to that, and I've really liked it when I've seen it. Yeah, it's been great for them, um, and most importantly, Edwards has been really open and and and. and empowered by it because last year when they tried to do the similar thing with him he kind of said that he wasn't ready for that he's like I don't feel comfortable bringing the ball up initiating offense doing that sort of thing I like to come off the ball and and make my plays that way and let D'Angelo Russell handle those those duties whether he was being deferential to a veteran or whatever it was um, he made it clear that he wasn't he wasn't there for that yet this year he has said that he loves it, that he really wants to be in control of this offense. I think he feels more prepared to attack um, and, and, and to not only drive and make plays for himself, but also to find others. He's passing the ball better than he has been earlier in his career. He's seen, he's seen things that he did not see um, earlier in his career. He still turns the ball over a little too much. He still will, will kind of rush a shot every once in a while, but given his overall talent and also given that the, his teammates want him to be in that role, it's been really, really good for Edwards to be that way, to, to take control of things the way that he has. It also, I think has been really good for D'Angelo Russell. Um, I think that Russell really struggled with, Hey, when do I get my shot? When do I get it, get, get others involved when he was the main point guard and he is shooting the ball exceptionally well right now, really since the start of December, because he has less, uh, his job is much more simple. Catch and shoot, catch and create a little bit, pull up, knock those shots down. And so the roles now just fit a little bit better with Russell as, as the off guard and with Edwards being the guy who can put so much more pressure on an opposing defense 
with his handle, with his drives, now with his shooting and his passing. And it just makes way more sense to do it this way. And it has been very good for the Wolves. And when you surround Edwards with Anderson, Torian Prince, uh, Rudy, and then McDaniels or, you know, a, another veteran, that's a group that really Austin Rivers has been good in that in the in those situations as well. Just guys that know how to make things easier for a young player. Um, I think it just benefits everyone involved. And I think that's that's where I wanted to go. It's not just as much like it is to some degree like Edwards being in being in that playmaking position, but just the lineup combinations that opens up. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to have Tarion Prince and Kyle Anderson on the floor at the end of games, that that becomes a little that becomes a little tougher if it's you know well it's, it's Russell and 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 Ant and then well are we playing small with McDaniel's at the five or are we you know but you 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 know you want to have if you have you know Ant at the at the one and Rudy at the five I feel like filling in between them just makes much more sense at least sure. at yeah. least until Cat comes back yeah exactly and especially defensively when you have when you like D'Angelo Russell is a minus defensively, obviously. So if you have Rivers in that role, or you put Prince or or, or out there um, with McDaniel's and Gobert and Anderson, all of a sudden you have a very very switchable five man lineup out there that can do a lot more defensively. And what Chris Finch has talked about is it allows them to use Rudy in more of a spy mode. Um, where he can kind of lurk a little bit more and help weak side and, and, and be more effective as a shot blocker rim protector that way. Um, and so all of those things just, it, it, it not only gives them, helps them click offensively, but defensively, it just gives them, makes them much tougher to deal with, especially because Edwards is capable of guarding point guards and, and making that and making it tough on them. So it, they're, they're just much more versatile that way and much more explosive and dangerous defensively with, with that kind of a lineup out there. So you, you mentioned that, that Carl Anthony Towns is a little bit away. Um, mm-hmm. Like how long are we talking about? Yeah, I think it's still a couple of weeks at least. Okay. Um, you know, it, we're in, we're getting close to mid January. I would say by the end of January is probably um, a realistic thing. Um, so you're looking at uh like closer to eight, eight or nine weeks from the original injury than maybe four to six. Um, they really want to be careful with him because he is a big man. Um, also, we know that calf strains can be re-aggravated. Jordan McLaughlin uh, tried to come back from his and then and, and has been out a lot longer because of it. Uh, it also can be a precursor to Achilles, to ACLs. So they're, they're not going to rush him back even though they could really use his shooting they could really use his playmaking and his offense. Um, it's, it's just not, it's not happening anytime right over the horizon. So this strikes me as it's not, it's the, the problem of not just the games he's missing, but you know, that you're, you, the timeline you're putting him on puts him back pretty close to the trade deadline. And um, now that Edwards and Gobert seem to be back on track a little bit, they're just not they they how do they evaluate what they have with this you know the i think they would describe their core and as edwards cat gobert yeah that's it's been the biggest problem for sure because 
they only had 19 games before Towns went out to really evaluate. And it did not look good in those 19 games, let's be honest. But I think that no one really expected it to look great in 20 games. I think that they wanted to get a very full season or at least a half a season for Rudy and Kat to get used to playing together, for Anthony Edwards to get used to playing off of those two. Um, they knew it was going to take time to uh, to for for an unconventional lineup to figure things out, and so to not have those reps, to not have to not really have be able to make any kind of definitive declarations one way or the other, whether it is a great idea, whether it's a terrible idea, whether it's somewhere in between, is really difficult. And so um, the one thing I guess that you look at is like cat can't be traded at the trade deadline because of the contract he signed. It, 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 it's the, it's a, this summer thing. So that part of the equation would always be evaluated at the end of the season, but you do just hope that there is enough of a sample size by the time you get to the end of the season for you to say whether this can work or not. And the more games that he misses, the, the fewer opportunities they are going to have to find some sort of a rhythm together and, and to figure things out. And if you go into next off season with the mud, waters muddied, it's going to be a lot harder for them to execute any kind of a plan to keep building on either what they have or to make a big change and, and, and try and go another direction. And so that's, I think that's the, the, the most frustrating part of this from the Timberwolves is that not that, you know, it has worked or it hasn't. It's that you just have no idea whether it can or not. And I think that the, there's some sort of second order effects in that. One of the sort of an interesting side question is like, what do you do with Nasri? Yes, hundred percent. And and, and it, it, you know, if for example, you were you were deciding that you want to fill the Daniel Russell salary spot with with something else. You know, obviously he's he's an exp- he's he's expiring, but his his presumably his bird rights would have some value to the to the to the right team. But you don't know you don't know how you feel about making that move because maybe maybe you're you want to go a different way with with town this summer or something like that. That seems like it almost it's almost paralytic for absolute as a whole. Yes, yes. There's so many trickle downs because Nas Reed is a really good player. Like he has talent. He's and been their so, best center at, at, at for long stretches of the season, if we're gonna yep, be honest. Exactly. And and so um and and so like let's say that you get to a point this summer or you were going to get to a point this summer where you'd like, look, yeah, we overpaid too much for Rudy, um, but we really are convinced that maybe this too big s- setup is not going to work and maybe you okay so if you want to look at trading towns recouping some of those draft picks getting some players back that maybe better balance this roster and work better around rudy and and ant and 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 jade mcdaniels um maybe that's that that's the way you look at it but then you'd want to hold on to nas reed as a really good backup center um in this league and 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 you'd, you'd want to keep him, but, or if you decide, Hey, you know what? The Rudy and cat thing really works. And we're going to continue with that structure going forward. Um, and this is going to be the identity of this team because we really believe in it. Well, then you'd want to trade Nas Reed right now and try and get something for him before 
you lose him to free agency this summer. So it's they're they're in this limbo that's very very difficult for them to navigate right now going into the trade deadline because I do think as you said I think you could get something of value for Nas Reed um, right now that could help you whether it's draft pick wise or whether it's player wise to um, to give you another chip that would help balance your roster. Um, he is a very attractive asset. He's a really good, really talented, skilled player. But if you've determined that you just aren't going to have the minutes for him, it makes sense to trade him. But if you don't know if you're going to have the minutes or not, it's hard to make that decision. And, and not just the minutes. I mean, you can't, you know, as invested as they are at the center yes, position. Yes, right. It's, it is, I, I think he's probably shown enough around the league that, uh, that it's, it's going to be more than like biannual money. Yes, that correct. Yes. And, and anything above that, it just is like, you know, how, how, why <laughs> yep. it becomes a, so is that, is that your, um, you know, heading into the trade deadline? Are you, is it, because of this sort of, the, this sort of stasis, are you kind of expecting them to be quieter than maybe, would be optimal or, or, I mean, I'm not, not suggesting they're not going to explore everything. Mm-hmm. It just is, it's, I, I know how NBA front offices work. Um, uh, unknowns um, beget conservatism. Yeah. I think, I think there's a couple of things that probably um, lean toward more conservative. One is that the, the unknowns, the, uh, the kind of just, not having a sample size to really evaluate what your team is and what it isn't, uh, that that's a big thing uh, that would kind of hinder maybe significant deal making. The other, you know, another part is is that let's say, I mean, there, one of the if you want to call it a big deal, it would be a decision to move D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I don't know that there's much of an of a market out there for him right now, to be honest with you. And so I don't I don't know how many options the Wolves have to send him out and get something in return that would make you say, okay, this is a big deal that actually has a chance to make us better over these next couple of months, because the wolves do want to remain. um, You you want to improve coming out of the deadline because they don't have a draft pick next, next, uh, next June. And, and so there's no, even inkling of a thought of, well, let's just regroup and we'll take our lottery chances and, and, and try and, and, and reset next year. And so they want to get better, but can they do that with D'Angelo Russell? And finally, um, given the parody in the West, given how few teams are actually out of the running, uh, is there, are there going to be a lot of sellers for the Timberwolves to knock on the door and try and see, um, see if there, if there is something out there, I think that is, hindering uh trade talks right now to a great degree just given where the log jam both in the east and the west and so all of those things would lean toward me toward probably saying i think if they make a deal or something it's going to be of the underwhelming minor kind of variety um but they will certainly be looking at everything they can do because they need to get better and they need to to get rolling to make this rudy deal you know worth worth doing I just hearing you talk about that. I had Eric Pincus on last week, and we and we were talking a little bit about how, given how bunched up the middle is, 
that there might be an advantage to be a team that makes a decision early about which way to go, whether it's to quote unquote overpay to add talent or to say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're open for business now. Um, the Wolves seem like the worst possible <laughs> team, like the, the, the least likely team to be in a position to make that kind of, to take that, take it, you know, to, to seek that sort of first mover advantage. Yes, that's, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, it's they're they're just tangled up in a web right now that makes that very difficult um, with the injuries, with their future assets, with the kind of underwhelming nature of their start, coupled with hey they're actually playing a little bit better right now. Do you want to see this ride out a little bit more before um, before you make any big decisions? Like all of that conspires for them to be. Uh, a little more deliberate in their actions and that may end up uh, hurting them if they miss out and on an, on an opportunity, if they would have been a little bit more aggressive, but it's just that they don't really have the pieces or the data to really merit being aggressive and, and trying to get out there ahead of the pack. I mean, and of course, the the biggest thing is just the bunched up nature of the standings. There's there's four games between Sacramento in fifth and Oklahoma City in thirteenth. Yep, yep, that's it. And And that and 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 so for all of the people also, you know, that have the Timberwolves fans have been tearing their hair out of this is this is over. Like this is the worst trade ever. The Timberwolves are going nowhere. Well, they've had four wins in a row, and all of a sudden they're in eighth, and they're a game out of sixth. So. Um, maybe it's a game and a half, but like, um, they're, they're right there and there's no one in the West also that really scares you as a team. That's like, well, there's no way you can compete against them. I mean, I like what Denver and Memphis are doing right now. New Orleans with Zion looks really good, but not, but nobody's like, ah, I don't even want to get into it with them. And so there's at the same time, there's the way that this door is open is kind of crazy right now. And so uh, it's really kind of, it's just a weird, weird year in the West. And I think that might actually help the Wolves in the long haul because they have not gotten buried by their slow start. They're a five-game winning streak from being a home court, having home court. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and given, like, they, they had the loss to Detroit at home. They had the loss to Charlotte on the road. They've had some really bad losses while they were trying to figure things out where you think if, if they were just competent in those games and it goes the other way, they could already be, you know, 23 and 18, they could be in the, in the Mavericks position. Um, and, and, and so it's just, yeah, they have a heavy, a home heavy January. Um, and so they have an opportunity here to climb up the standings and the dust could settle by the trade deadline and they could say, Hey, we're actually not in bad shape at all. Or it could go the other way too. But, but right now, it, it's it's right there for them if they can go out and grab it. Well, thanks a lot for uh, for taking the time. Is there anything else that uh, we haven't hit on that you think uh, you think I should know about? Uh, you know what what is what is going on in the in Timberwolves land? Anything from uh, you know either I guess front office or ownership situation? It seems like the sale is progressing. The sale is progressing. Um, Alex Rodriguez and, and Mark Laurie got uh, exercised their option on their second twenty uh, percent. That will that deal will close in March, and they will now have forty percent. But um, 
the next chunk, the final chunk to get to 80% is the biggest one. And so um, we'll see how that all plays out. Rodriguez and Lori are very confident that that is all going to happen and everything is going to go forward according to plan. There are people in the league that do not believe that they have the money to do it. But so far, Rodriguez and Lori have followed through on all of their promises, have hit every mark. And so we will see, uh, we'll see that keeps going, but, um, but that, you know, that's, that's, that's going forward. Um, And that's the other, I guess the big thing right now, that's just kind of hanging over this franchise is the transition from Taylor to those guys. And uh, so far it's on schedule. Well, very cool. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to uh, plug or uh, direct people to that you've, you've done recently or have coming up? Um, so, we, yeah, I mean, done a lot uh, recently at The Athletic on sort of this new uh, new Rudy Gobert that we've seen over the last four games and, and what needs to happen for them to keep going. I will have coming up at the end of this month, I'm working on a bigger feature that's really kind of cool. Um, I can't say too much about it right now, but um, uh, I'm excited about kind of this this unique profile that I have coming um, right before the Memphis Grizzlies game on the 27th. So just keep an eye out for that. But otherwise, just you know, daily at the Athletic, we got a lot of Tim Wolves content. Um, keeping up with that and and uh, and and just following this team that has ridden a roller coaster so far, and it's been pretty compelling. Well, John Krasinski, thanks a lot for for taking the time, and uh, good luck when you get back on the road next week. Hopefully, the uh, the uh, the drama has ceased. Uh, it always finds me, but thanks for that, Seth. I hope you get home okay. Uh, good luck <laughs> to yourself as well. So, all right, uh, thanks again, John, and thanks, folks, for listening. We will be back later in this week with more Colin shots.